that a great hymn? Uh, why don't we take our Bibles this morning, turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. I think a lot of us, probably most of us, are familiar with uh, Elvis Presley, uh, king of rock and roll. Uh, you know, he sold uh, more than a billion records. A billion. I mean, you hear about, you know, million sellers or whatever. Does anyone remember what a record is? A round thing of plastic. Sold more than a billion records uh, during his lifetime. Uh, was in 31 movies. How many saw Blue Hawaii or something like that? You know, his greatest hits album, after he died, his greatest hits album uh, was number one for 25 years. <laughs> Head up. You know, he had an enormous amount of success, at least on a worldly level. Uh, Elvis was a very unhappy man. I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, very unfulfilled. In fact, I read an article that his wife Priscilla, uh, an interview uh, talking about him. Uh, he died of obesity, by the way. Uh, drug dependency at age 42. I think we have a, a picture of uh, some of the transition he went through in his life. Um, but, you know, his wife said Elvis never came to terms with who he was uh, or who he was meant to be. Uh, he, he never really understood what his purpose was. He thought maybe uh, he was here on earth for a reason, maybe to preach, uh, maybe to serve or care for other people. She said the, the agonizing desire that he wasn't doing what he was created to do was with him all the days of his life, and he knew he wasn't fulfilling it. And the sad part, she said he had a, didn't have a clue where to look. And this is her word. She said, in a sense, he was lost. How many have ever felt lost? I, I know I have. I remember when I was a junior in college, and... and uh, you know, about a year before I became a Christian, I felt so lost. I was competing with about 500 uh, pre-med and pre-dental students, some of the college students that I'm talking about here, for, you know, A's in organic chemistry and, you know, biology, human anatomy, physics, calculus. And uh, I, was, I don't know if I was getting burnt out or what, but I started asking, wait a minute, is this really who I am? Is this really what I want to do? What is life all about anyway. What really is the meaning in life? Maybe it was just something every college student goes through. I, I don't know. But thankfully, that was about the time when some people came along and started talking to me about Jesus in my life. And, and it took about a year, but finally, rather than running from God, I surrendered to the person of Jesus. How, how many love John 14, verse 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You know, when Jesus said that, he didn't say that I will point the way. Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus didn't say, I'll, I'll teach you the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. And there's something about coming to know him in a personal way where you don't have all the answers, but you know you have the truth. It's like that, that question is answered. I don't, I don't have all the answers in life, but I have the answer. And I have the truth. And his name is Jesus. It says in John chapter 1, in him is life. 
and that life is the light of all mankind. And uh, there's something about the life. When you come to know Jesus, you know you have it. <laughs> I can remember after I came to know Jesus, I had a smile on my face. It was so wide and, and so big. I just, my cheeks hurt all the time because I was smiling all the time because I knew I had the life. I had the truth. I had what was, life was all about, and I had discovered the meaning of life, and his name was Jesus. Could, could anyone say amen to that? It, it really was awesome. Uh, what a change. And I'm hoping, you know, last week we started talking about having a vision for your life here in our church, and I'm hoping part of your vision is to know Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I want to know him the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And in light of or in comparison to all the accomplishments he had in his life, all the things that he had done, he said, nothing compares. I want to know him. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And I'm hoping in your heart there is a desire more than anything to know Jesus in your life and to grow in your relationship with him. And then as a result of that, I hope there's a desire to serve him because that's what we are created to do. The apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, Christ's love compels us. And when you have the life and when you know his love, you, you want to tell and you want to serve and, and you want to be used by God to share his love with others. You, you just can't help it. So uh, this morning, I want to continue to talk a little bit about your vision, having a vision for your life. It's so important because it gives you strength. It helps you have passion every morning when, when, when you get up. It clarifies your, your purpose in life. And you know, I don't want to go through life and, and end up realizing I didn't accomplish what I was created to do. So uh, uh, if you look with me at Ephesians chapter 2, Verse 10, let me read it to you this morning. It says, <clears throat> this is what the Apostle Paul says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Last week, we looked at something similar from Psalms 139. It talked about how we were knit together, that God knit us together in our mother's womb, that he knew our days before there was one of them. And then he, he says this phrase, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You understand what that means? It, that phrase is kind of like, oh. It, it's like when a person walks in the room, and goes, oh, do, you see, do you see who's here? Uh, in the same way when God created you, it, it, I was talking with a person last week and they were talking about believing in God and uh, and uh, they said, you know, I, I don't quite believe the way you do. I, I kind of, I don't want to use the word fate because he didn't say it. But he had this kind of, this idea that was a, there was an energy in the universe, a fate, something that just kind of caused all things to happen. And, and, and didn't have a faith in a personal God who loves me and, and cares for me. And it, it's great if you want to believe that. <clears throat> just know that that's not what the Bible teaches the Bible teaches that God loves us uniquely and that he loves us personally. You see, this verse says, for we are God's work, <clears throat> excuse me, we are God's workmanship. And some of your translations say craftsmanship. Some of your translations say masterpiece. 
It's like God was painting a picture when he created you or he was engineering uh, something you know, similar to Tesla, an electric car, whatever he was, or maybe a, an architect, the way he designs a building, that God was doing something unique in your life. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knew your days before there were one. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't know if you, you can accept that, but God truly had a purpose when he made you. In fact, this says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I think most of us know that God is outside of time. Okay, so we look at time from, you know, beginning to end, so to speak. There's a verse that talks about Jesus as the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He has always existed. He said to the Jewish leaders, before Abraham, who, you know, lived 4,000 years ago, he said, before Abraham was, I am. I've always existed, and I always will. So God is totally outside of time, okay? So before time, it says, he prepared in advance good works for you to do. One of the ways you could look at your life is that when God crafted you as a masterpiece, when he created you, he knew your purpose before he did. And because of that, he designed you to fulfill that purpose. It's kind of like, you know, if you're a creative person here, if you like to work in a wood shop or something, uh, maybe you like to paint or, or knit or, or something creative, uh, some kind of craft, it's like before you start, you get an idea. And you think, this is what I'm going to do. This is going to be awesome. And, and, and then you get a plan and you put it together. Some of you flow by the seat of your pants. I hope God didn't do that when he made you. <laughs> but he had something in mind when he fashioned you. He had a purpose when he created you. One of the things you could say, and Chad said this to me before when we've talked about this, is you're, you're a purpose wrapped in a person. You're a purpose that God has. Something uniquely that God wants to do in this life and for all eternity. Now remember, we're not just going to live a few years here on this earth. We're living for all eternity. And so you are a purpose. You're God's craftsmanship. You're his masterpiece that he's designing with eternity in mind that will bring him glory through how he fashioned you or formed you in your life. That is amazing to me. That's actually what the Bible teaches in your life. Now, he used a lot of things to, to help fashion you. And, and tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, <laughs> this morning, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things he used to fashion you or to form you. The title of this morning's sermon is Discovering Your Shape. And I'm using the word shape not to talk about what you see in the mirror, okay? <laughs> I'm using the word shape to talk about how God formed you. I'm using it as an acrostic, S-H-A-P-E, okay? God uses your spiritual gifts. He uses your heart. He uses your abilities, your personality, and your experiences to help shape you for the ministry you have to the body of Christ or your mission 
in the world. How many know we, we were all created for a ministry to the body of Christ to help encourage and edify the body of Christ? How many know that's true? Why? Nudge your neighbor and say, you need to listen at church. The pastor says you have a ministry. <laughs> we all have a ministry. Every person in this room, you have a ministry to the body of Christ. If you were called to do that, you have a ministry to help edify and build up the body of Christ. You have a ministry, and then you have a mission to the world. We're to carry on the ministry and mission of Jesus Christ to the world. And God used these five things to help shape us in, in, in our life. Now, I'm going to start with heart, if I could, and then end with spiritual gift, if that's okay. Uh, but I couldn't come up with a word that was spelled that way. So... Uh, we're just going to go with it. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about your heart. Y your heart it is the core of who you are. This is where God uniquely designed you. Your heart has to do with your passions. It, it has to do with your interests. It's the things that motivate you, the things that you stand back after you've done them, and you think, that was so fun. It, it has to do with the things you, you enjoy more than anything else. You know, in this room... Uh, we all have different physical heartbeats. If you're in the medical profession, when you listen to a heart, I mean, you know, there's certain things your heart has to do, but it sounds different. Every person's heart is, is, a, is a little different. We all have different emotional heartbeats. We all have different passions. I mean, some people in this room actually like balancing their checkbook. I don't know who you are, but there's prayer line after church. My wife has to balance hers to the penny. She just has to, okay? I pay everything online, and I figure if their computer doesn't work, that's their problem. But, you know, it's going to be close, okay? So, you know, but my wife loves to balance her checkbook. Some people like fixing cars. I can't imagine. Um, last time I fixed a car, it cost me $700 to fix what I tried to fix. So I'm not going to do that. Some people uh, have a passion for children. Uh, some love working with teens or music, uh, uh, teaching. Uh, some people are wired with a, with a need for security. Okay, I'm not picking on my wife this morning. She's a door checker, okay? In other words, I never locked a door in my life until I got married. And then after I got married, she'd say, well, did you check the doors at bedtime when you go to bed? I'd like, who does that? I mean, you know... <laughs> Well, thankfully, she taught me to check the doors, okay? That's probably pretty important. But some people have a, have a deep need for security, and it's a great gift. I'm alive today as a result of that, and my kids live to tell the story. So uh, some people love adventure. They love. They love climbing mountains. They love jumping out of airplanes. They love d deep sea diving. That would freak me out. I was snorkeling. And I was down pretty deep, maybe about 20 feet or so. And this eel came out. And I don't know if I wet my pants. I wouldn't have known. But <laughs> it scared me to death. I just don't have it for that kind of stuff. I'm kind of a, I guess, a little bit of a <clears throat> need for control or something. I don't know. Um, some people have a passion for justice. They believe in consequences for your actions. They have a passion for justice. They're very black and white. Some people are, are wired that way. Some, some people have a strong sense of right and wrong. Uh, some people have a passion for mercy. 
they are so empathetic and sympathetic. Before you hit them, they're saying, oh, I'm so sorry you feel that way, you know, and they've forgiven you before you ever do it because they have such a deep sense of, of mercy. Forgiveness for them is totally easy. They've forgiven you before you run over them with their car, you know. They, they just, they're wired. And not everyone is wired that way. And we really see it when we get married how different we are the way we're wired. And it becomes really frustrating in our relationships because we can't make the person we're married to change the core of who they are. God doesn't want to change the core of who they are. He made them. He made them with that core, and he made them uniquely. It says in First uh, uh, Peter chapter 3, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And understand the value of different gifts and personalities and different cores because we're all wired differently. That's what makes us so wonderful and it, and it makes us so unique. Understanding your heart is, is, is so important when raising kids. You're not going to change their heart. God formed them with a certain bend in their heart as a master craftsman and it's just super important your core values are going to shape how you run your business uh, your participation in your ministry or your mission uh, how you raise a family uh, the value of your life is not its duration it's its donation it's not how long you live but what you give to others that makes your life valuable we're going to live forever aren't we? And who God designed you to be is going to continue on for all eternity. That's, that's exciting to me that I don't just have one shot. I can keep starting over. And then for all eternity, I can keep growing into the person God created or crafted me to be. That's exciting to me. So, so God gave us a heart as a master craftsman. He also gave us abilities, natural abilities. You came out of the chute ready to go with certain, certain, certain abilities in your life. Some of you love mathematics, numbers, I mean, you know, multiplication tables. My wife comes up and says, how much is 15% off a dollar? And I go, honey, it's still 15 cents. I mean, she has a hard time with you know, mathematic concepts. That's so natural for me. I don't understand why people can't understand mathematical concepts. Algebra, calculus, those kind of things were just so easy. That's not bragging, by the way. It's just, that's just true. It's just, it, it was just natural. I'm a terrible reader. Some of you are great readers. You get involved in a book. You can, you can get captivated imagination-wise, and you can just see it. You can feel it, and you're great leaders. I'm not a good reader. I, third grade, I still couldn't read. I was just, I just really struggled uh, growing up with, with reading. Uh, some of us, we, we just have a natural athletic ability. Some people have great sensitivity to animals and understanding how to care for them. Uh, some of us have uh, mechanical abilities and leadership abilities and musical abilities. Some of us are prison singers. We're behind a few bars and we can't find the right key. <laughs> you know, standing by you is an adventure on Sunday morning. Uh, 
Elvis Presley obviously had, an in, had a gift for influence, didn't he? And if he would use that for God, how many think he would have been fulfilled? He would have been tremendously fulfilled. There would have been opposition, of course. Many of the people are in the entertainment world. God gifted them to give him glory through their lives, but they get trapped into how much money they can make. And You know, many of them started out in church. Elvis Presley had a background in church. Whitney Houston, of course, had a background in church. That's where he, she developed her gift to sing. But the world has such an attraction, and people give up their God-given talent they, they could use to glorify God to, to, to make money or whatever else, and it never fully satisfies who they are. Have you learned money doesn't satisfy you? It, it doesn't. Just, just never will. God gave us heart. He gave us abilities. He gave us personality. Now, if you look around this room, God loves variety when it comes to personality. He just does. I mean, people come in all shapes and sizes. God, God has made us all unique and different. We're all kind of a blend. How many of you, when you go swimming, when you go swimming, the only way you can get in a pool is to dive in? How, how many of you are, are plungers? You know, you just dive in. It's the only way I can get in a pool. Okay, just dive in. How many of you are waiters? Okay, you go down the stairs or you go down the, st you know, the steps or the little waiters. Okay, isn't it interesting that plungers marry waiters? Because opposites attract. But we have, you know, different personalities. Some of you are high stakes poker players. I mean, you're all in. Some of you are penny ante. You know, you're just watching every nickel every dime. Some of you love to be organized. Some of you, organization freaks you out. I mean, that cramps your style. You just, you got to have a mess so you can find things, you know. And, and you know where everything is in your mess, but you just, you know, you feel a little better with your house lived in, you know. It's got, it's got that comfortable, that comfortable looks. Some people like to think through decisions you know, I call it paralysis by analysis, you know. They so overthink things, they can't make a decision. Some people just go with their gut. They just make a decision, and it'll be fine. It'll work out. Just interesting, the different personalities. God shapes our heart. He gives us abilities. Gives us, uh, of course, different personalities. And, of course, these things all develop uh, throughout our lifetime. God also gives us experiences in our life, and, you know, we have different vocational experiences, jobs and careers. We have educational experiences with school, summer camps, things like that. We have spiritual experiences. Almost everyone I talk to, I, I ask them about their spiritual experience. Did you grow up in church? What was that like? What have you experienced so far in your faith? I try to find out people's testimonies. Some of the experiences people have uniquely and personally revelation they receive from God it's wonderful to hear some of the things that God has done but all those things help shape you and affect who you are in your ministry to the body of Christ and your mission to the world think of all the experiences in this room some of them are painful but, but God never wastes a hurt God uses our hurts to help us with compassion for other people and, and help us to be able to encourage people when they're hurting in our life. God, God works through all the different things in our life to help us to minister to the body of Christ and to help us with our mission, sharing the gospel with, with the world. The last thing I'll talk about is spiritual gifts. And 
course, it worked better making the word start with S. But your spiritual gift, what is that? I think it's something we're all interested in understanding a little bit more. The Bible says that when we were born again, when we received the Holy Spirit, he gave us spiritual gifts in our life. There are supernatural abilities, a supernatural empowering. Some of them are for the moment, so that you're in a conversation with someone, and all of a sudden a scripture comes to your mind, and, and you just feel like that's a word to help encourage them. And you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. And talking King James English. Okay, you, you could just say, you know, you know that scripture in Philippians, I think it's chapter 1, verse 6, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. I just want you to know that God's not done yet. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Sometimes just in that simple moment, you're prophesying to that person. We think of that as some spooky spiritual gift where someone stands up and says, Hear ye, hear ye, you know, King James English, and it goes off. And that kind of experience is what has made spiritual gifts kind of weird. Someone was saying amen, by the way, that child back there. So, some of that has made spiritual gifts kind of spooky, and we're a little hesitant. We don't want to get involved in in weird things, and we don't want to be a weird person. Could someone say amen to that? And I understand that. But the purpose of spiritual gifts is to help build up the body of Christ, to bring healing to the body of Christ, to bring comfort to the body of Christ, to empower you to serve the body of Christ and to share the gospel in the world. Let me read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 4 through 11. It says, there are different kind of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So this is a sudden recognizing of the, man, of the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, as, you, as you minister to someone. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's a given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Uh, to, to, to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Last week, we were uh, praying for a gal after church. Um, she's having trouble with nerve in her back and her leg is numb. She can't feel her feet. What we were praying for her, she said, I can feel my feet. The Lord just touched her right there. And she, boy, she just lit up. She had joy. There were tears. And she was just in that moment being touched and, and, and healed by the Holy Spirit. So uh, to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. Uh, to another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Have you ever thought, I want the gift of healing, <laughs> but that isn't the one you got or, or whatever. You know, it's, see, God gave you a heart. He gave you abilities, personality, and, of course, a variety of experiences, some we chose and, 
and some I believe God guided us into, but we, we, we all have experiences, and then we all have spiritual gifts. J- Jesus, when he left his disciples, he said, it's good that I'm leaving so the Holy Spirit can come. He said, I won't leave you alone. I'll send the helper, the comforter. In, in Acts 1, verse 8, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and uttermost parts of, of the earth. How many of you have ever felt like all of a sudden you sense the Holy Spirit's presence and it helps you administer to someone or encourage someone? Maybe you had the gift of faith for a decision that you were making and you just knew God was going to help you step out in faith and do this particular thing. That's a gift of faith. In that moment, the Holy Spirit gave you courage. He gave you vision that this is what was going to happen and you had absolute confidence and you just did it. And God began to work uh, in in a supernatural way. There are times where the Holy Spirit uh, just simply helps us. It's not weird. Uh, It actually becomes a very natural part of who you are. Uh, And by the way, he's the one that will reveal it to you and teach you how to to use it. First time I, I don't know why, but a lot of the verbal gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, I seem to have experienced at some point along the way, I guess because I'm supposed to be a verbal person. But um, a a girl called me when I was in Bible school, young woman, uh, and uh, she's someone we hung out with occasionally, a bunch of guys, a bunch of girls did things together. Her car wouldn't start. She started explaining it to I'm not a mechanic. But as she was talking, I thought thermostat. And I don't know anything about cars. But I thought maybe the Holy Spirit was telling me there was something wrong with their thermostat. It was frozen shut or whatever. I just kind of had this picture in my mind. I said, here, I'll be over in a minute. So I went down to the auto parts store this is back before YouTube videos. And I said, what is a thermostat? Where is it located on a car? <laughs> I would have no idea. And he told me, you know, it's right on the outside of the block there. And I said, well, how do you fix it? And, and he said, you just, you know, you drain the radiator, you take off the hose, you take the, the, the thermostat off, you slap the little seal on there and put it back on and you fill it back up with the radiator with water and... Uh, and antifreeze, and put the hose back, uh, obviously put the hose back on before you do that. And uh, what kind of car is it? I said, well, it's a 64 Dodge van, you know, the engine in the middle between the two seats. And uh, so, you know, he got me the part, and I went over to her house and fixed it in about an hour. And and, uh, that was the only mechanic thing I've ever done that worked. But uh, I, I had no knowledge prior to that moment where all of a sudden the Lord told me it's thermostat. I'm not a mechanic. I had no idea. And I began to realize the Holy Spirit showed me something. A couple months later, so I'm I'm volunteering to be a counselor when I was in Bible school at Faith Center in in the church office there. They had this counseling ministry and, you know, there was a church of about 5,000 people, so people would come in for counseling. And this man, about 45, came in I could tell how disappointed he was when he got me. I was a young Bible college student. You know, I was about 25 years old, and I didn't know very much. A little bit of the Bible. And, but he had, a, he had a business problem. It really felt like he'd been treated unfairly. It involved connection with family and stuff like that. As he was telling me that story, 
the Holy Spirit told me he was lying. And I just, I was kind of stunned. I'm thinking in my mind, am I supposed to tell him this? <laughs> if I hadn't had the previous experience and other experiences with the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't have known to trust the voice. That, and it wasn't a voice, it was just the impression. So we finished talking. But I, I saw too much. I saw people. I saw relationships. And I saw how he, he lied. And that isn't what happened. So when he got finished, I said, I said, you're lying, aren't you? This is what happened. And I explained it to him. And he said, the Lord told you that, didn't he? And I said, yes, he did. And I don't know what that was all about. You know, in the book of Acts, there was a guy that lied, and of course he died. Thankfully, this guy didn't die. <laughs> that would have been a little, a bit of a problem for the church. But anyway, um, you know, he, 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 he apologized. He confessed. He, he, was, he was lying. He cried. 45-year-old man. He was sitting with this 25-year-old kid. But he, he caught that the Holy Spirit knew him and the Holy Spirit was with him. Now, that spiritual gift wasn't for me. It wasn't for me to be proud or anything. That spiritual gift was to help the body of Christ. That word of knowledge was to help that man deal with a lying spirit. You know, there are people that lie so much they don't even know they're lying because they lie so often. They don't understand accountability. But God's there, and he does hear. And I don't know what the Holy Spirit was doing in that man's life, but he simply gave me a word of knowledge to, 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 to help that person with his, with his faith and maybe to begin a work of deliverance and healing in his soul. I don't know. It's not my job to know. It's just my job to serve. So... Uh, my point is, there are different manifestations of this spirit. There's a whole other list, by the way, in, in Romans chapter 12, I think are more ongoing, and I'll call them motivational gifts of the spirit. If you read uh, Romans chapter 12, it talks about the gift of teaching, the gift of serving, the gift of giving. You know, people who live sacrificial. You know what sacrifice is? Sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love more. And there are a lot of people who give up something they love in order to love Jesus more or serve Jesus more. I, I love that. And, and, and that's sometimes energized, literally energized by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit puts in someone the gift of giving. And they're so energized to give or to serve. Some people are energized to teach or to lead. And that whole list of ongoing gifts that energize us and motivate us are listed in Romans chapter 12. What do we do with all these things? Sometimes they, they get dormant in our life. Uh, to be honest, some of you have experienced different gifts of the Spirit at different times, but you haven't used the gift recently. Sometimes you, you go through a season, you maybe you get hurt or wounded, and uh, you're like a, a bear crawling into a cave or something. You just kind of withdraw. <laughs> and sometimes, you, the Bible says here in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, for this reason, the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 
There are times where it, it's time for us to come out again and be used by the Holy Spirit uh, in ways that glorify Him. And, and by the way, these gifts happen as you're serving the body of Christ. They don't happen just to entertain you. Well, I'd like to gift the healing so I can walk to the hospital and go, Zappo, Zappo. Well, that might feel good, but that's not what the gifts of the Spirit are all about. They're, and they don't happen unless you're sharing the gospel, serving in relationship with the gospel. Unless you're involved in the body of Christ, ministering and growing and serving and caring and sharing, or getting involved with people in the world to minister, to share, to care, to love, to risk, to sacrifice, then the Holy Spirit probably won't manifest because you don't need anything. You're doing it all on your own, in your own strength, in your own way. You're living your own life, going your own direction. And you won't discover the, just the sweetness and the joy of the Holy Spirit working through your life. See, we are God's craftsmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. He, he wants all of us to be a part of his ministry and mission to the world. And uh, so he's designed us uniquely uh, for us to do this. So what does God want me to do with my shape? This is a crash course, by the way. Uh, I'm sure there are books uh, written on this. and uh, you, you could certainly search them out and read them if you want to discover more. But they really do help you with vision for your life. And that's what we're talking about this month. We're talking about vision. What does God want me to do with my shape? S-H-A-P-E. Number one, he wants you to discover it. He wants you to discover your shape so you can understand the way he made you so that you can maybe accept the way he, he made you. He wants you to discover it because it's, it's who he made you to be that energizes you the most. It's what gives you passion to get up in the morning. He, he wants you to discover it. How do you do that? Well, one of the ways you can maybe recognize some gifts that God has given you, maybe some talents or even spiritual gifts, would be to examine your past. T take a look at ways that God has used you or, or take a look at ways where people have said, hey, thank you for doing that. That really helped me. Maybe you helped organize something or, 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 or maybe you helped lead something. Or, or, or maybe you did something verbally and someone comes up afterwards and says, hey, that was really helpful for me. You know, before I became a Christian, I had people come up to me twice and say, you should be a preacher. And I thought, what are they talking about? I'm not a preacher. I wasn't even a Christian. But twice I had people after I was asked to do something say, you should be a preacher. I don't know what they were talking about, but... Apparently, when God formed me, he had that in mind. I didn't know it was there. And sometimes there are gifts, abilities, talents, if you want to call it that, spiritual gifts that you have that are, are truly unique that you're not using. You, you, you don't even know they're, they're there yet. So one of the ways that you can discover your shape is by examining your past, opportunities, life experiences, uh, interest that, that God has given you. Uh, another way is by experimenting with the present. Don't be afraid to take a risk. Get involved with something here in, in the life of the church and watch God stir up your gifts and 
discover who you are and who he made you to be. Maybe you, you love technical things or sound or whatever. You know, talk to us about our sound and video ministry. Maybe you just, you love people, you want everybody who walks in that door to feel so encouraged. Maybe you get involved in, in maybe our, our uh, welcoming ministry. Um, you know, maybe that you really want kids. I have people come up to me all the time and tell me what I need to teach people really ticks me off because they're not doing it you know you want kids to learn grow up understand truth and morals but you're not doing anything to help kids what's that all about you're ignoring your gift if God put the burden on you and helped you see the need don't make it my responsibility you take responsibility Step out in faith. Start using your, your gift. God wants me to discover my shape, and then he wants me to accept my shape. We waste so much time comparing ourselves with other people. We have a tendency to overvalue their abilities and undervalue ours, don't we? And that's why we never get involved. Well, I couldn't do that. Couldn't do it as good as him. We... We overvalue their abilities and we undervalue ours. And uh, so uh, God wants us to learn not only to discover our shape, but to accept our shape. Uh, number three, he wants you to enjoy your shape. Ecclesiastes, you've got to be a little careful with that book, by the way. But Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19 through 20 says, uh, to enjoy your work and to accept your lot in life. This is a gift from God. People who do this rarely look with sorrow on the past. For God has given them reasons for joy. Just enjoying who God made you is so, so important. That's such a wonderful truth. Because when you discover your shape and you're serving the Lord within the gifting he's given you, you always feel energized. Uh, he helps you grow in self-confidence, security, and satisfaction. And the last one, number four, is develop your shape. Shape is like a muscle, and you've got you to use it or you'll lose it. Second uh, Timothy says, uh, keep using the gift God gave you. Let it grow as a small flame grows into a fire. And the last verse, and then I'll invite the worship team to come on up. First um, Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you special abilities. Uh, be sure to use them to help each other, uh, passing on. Uh, to others, God's blessings. So, all right, set this aside. And uh, maybe we could, we could close by standing. And I'm going to ask you to maybe, you don't have to do this. You never have to do anything. But um, uh, maybe you'd put your hands on your heart. Okay, this is a word of knowledge. Okay? I, I, and I, I, I couch these things in non-spiritual terms so that you don't feel them or you don't get spooked out. But I really do believe I have a word of knowledge right now for someone. You have been told so much that you're wrong. that you've never accepted who you are. You've been told so much, maybe growing up by a parent 
or that you're afraid to know who you are. That, that's probably more for, more for all of us than it is for, for, for one, but I don't know why the Lord gave that to me right there. It wasn't in the sermon. So I'm asking you to, to lay your hands on your heart because God, when he created you, he saw a masterpiece. Now, 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 some of the things that he designed us for, we abuse. They get out of place in our life. They get out of control in our life. Oftentimes, kids who are rowdy, rambunctious, they're leaders who don't know what to do with their vision or their ability. They really need training. And uh, all they get is scolding. And, of course, many times get wounded, and maybe that was you. There are things God gave us that we use inappropriately and, and, and we abuse. But there is a way that God has made us. And, Lord, um, just as I lay hands on my heart here today, I have wrestled with you now for 40 years to try to understand my shape because I, 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 I sometimes am so afraid of failure not sure I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing. And Lord, I know, I know that's just insecurity and all that kind of stuff, but we all deal with that kind of stuff. It's hard for us to accept who we are. And so, Lord, I just want to lay hands on my heart. They'd help uh, me, Jesus. I want to grow in my shape. Lord, I want to grow in my, uh, my heart's design, who you made me to be. I want to grow in my abilities, Lord, my, my personality. I don't want it to be quenched by fear or demonic oppression or, Lord, some of the satanic attacks that enter people's mind, and as a result, they never sing because they were told they couldn't sing, and yet they have a beautiful voice. Lord, there are demonic attacks that, Lord, come against who we are as individuals, and we don't even know it. We've just accepted it. Uh, within our family or our upbringing or our culture. Jesus, I just want to pray for every person here that you'd bring, that you'd bring healing, that you'd bring freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> that you'd bring love and joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. And Lord, I pray for every person here this morning that knows you, Jesus. I ask you to fill them with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, the, the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestation at moments when they're serving you, when they're sharing you, Lord, that you'd enable them with more mechanical ability than they normally have because the Holy Spirit gives them wisdom and insight. You give them more creativity than we normally have because all of a sudden the Holy Spirit energizes them and gives them vision for their, the, 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 the challenge that's ahead of them. Jesus, we pray for your anointing, your power, and your working in and through our lives. Lord, we, we want you to be glorified through our life. So we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for a loving church family, Lord. It's a great place to grow and to learn. We just thank you for that. Thank you every, for every person here. We love you and pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Could we all say amen together? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Who the sun sets free.